I am uh, one of the leaders here at HT, and today we're going to be continuing our series on spiritual disciplines, um, looking at the habits that we form that help us connect with God. And this week we're looking at the spiritual discipline of community, and I'm, I'm going to go into that in a moment, but I want to ask you guys a question, just get you thinking, get audience interaction, okay? And I want you to turn to the person next to you, and we'd ask them this question, okay? And think about it for yourself. If there was one habit that you could form that you think would improve your life, what would it be? So some people might be like, I don't know, if I could read more or if I could um, go for a run every day, okay? Think about one thing that you could incorporate into your life that you think would make it better. Okay, I'll give you two minutes. And then if you ask them first, that forces them to answer and gives you more time, so go for it. All right, I'm going to bring you back in. Sorry to interrupt. You look like you're deep. You've got some great ideas. Anybody want to share? Come on, you want to shout something out? Something they would, would be helpful to incorporate into their life? Fantastic. I love that. That's a great one. Yeah, that's a great one. Anyone else? Slowing down, take some more time out. Good rest. That's good. Anyone else? Pardon? Planning, taking some time each day just to plan. Yeah, that's great. These are good ones. Any more? Go for a gym. Practicing that each day, sort of moment of humility. I like that. It's really good. Cool. So I was chatting to a friend the other day about this idea that we were doing um, spiritual disciplines as a series. And he's not from a church background or anything, so they had sort of spiritual side he kind of put to one side. But he, he quite resonated with the idea of discipline and building that into your life. And in our culture, I think there's quite a high uh, value that we put on personal growth, on developing ourselves, looking after ourselves. We respect people who are really careful with their diet or with their exercise or people who sort of regularly do things that, you know, if you see someone who like practices 10,000 hours of, you know, guitar or something like that, you're like, oh, wow, you know, it's amazing. Someone's got that discipline. Um, for my friend, they, they meditated daily, they read extensively, um, they did lots to care for their mental health, um, they fasted, they did sort of like a 5-2 diet. Um, and so although I would say that spiritual disciplines are different in the sense that they are outward looking, looking towards God rather than inward looking, we were able to bond and kind of talk about this idea of discipline. Now, I think my friend quite respected the, the fact that like, people in our church pray and they read their Bibles or they um, take time out and, and build this into their life. But one thing he found really strange was when I talked about what I was going to talk about today, the idea of community as a discipline. The idea that we would take time out of our week to, for better or worse, be with other people and to then do this whole Christianity thing together, to uh, pray with one another, to teach one another, to uh, challenge one another. He heard that, and it, it kind of made him quite uncomfortable. And 
you know, the idea of singing and praying and learning together, he was quite happy with that, but this idea of doing it together made it a bit weird for him. There was something about participating in community that just didn't quite sit right with him. And it seems strange to me because in church, for me, living my life and, and my faith out with others has been one of the most transformative and effective forms of spiritual discipline that I've ever experienced. Just to recap, spiritual disciplines, those habits that we form that help us to build a deeper relationship with God. And generally, we often focus on the personal ones. We think about prayer and we think about reading our Bible. Um, but I think one of the most provocative elements of Christianity one of the things that makes it stand out from just kind of good habits and, you know, a different way of life is the, is the fact that this, we believe that this most core element of human flourishing, that is our relationship with the creator God, that that is, um, sorry, let's flip the page, that that is developed through working out with other people, that it's not something you can do just by locking yourself away, but actually it's something that has to be done together. If you look at, um, Christianity is worked out in community. Most of the New Testament, when you look at it, is made up of um, letters written to communities. Most of the Old Testament is about God's interaction with a, a collection, a group of people. So when you start to think like that, you think there's a way that God engages with us individually, but God also engages with us as a whole and expects us to interact and be together. I was thinking about it um, as when I, before I came here. I was a teacher. And what I used to do on the side is a bit of tutoring, okay? And there's different ways, methods of teaching when it comes to I think When you're teaching, you are, sorry, when you're tutoring, you get to speak one-to-one -one with a child or a student, and you engage and you help them learn that way. And it, it's generally quite effective. But there's something about teaching, being with a classroom of students, where you start, there's energy, and you start to work that together, and, you, and then you can bounce ideas off people. And what you find is that you might get, I'll say something, and this kid gets it, and then what he'll do is he'll explain it to that kid. And suddenly it's like, ah, oh, this idea, that kid finds it easier to understand him than he does to understand me. And as we work together as a class, and you start to do a bit of friendly rivalry and get them to work against each other, you know, you suddenly find that there are kids learning in a way that they would really struggle if it was just one-to-one -one intensely talking at them. So I think there's something about the way that God engaged with us. Sometimes he's the tutor, and he might talk to us individually, and he speaks to us, and he speaks to us through the Bible and through prayer. And there's other times where he works with us as a community, the teacher, the classroom teacher, and he expects us to listen to one another and to grow through that experience. Now, I've used the word discipline, spiritual discipline, okay? Now, a lot of times, I'd like to think community doesn't feel like a discipline. You know, when you feel seen and you heard and heard by the people around you, when someone sends you that little text that's loving and encouraging, um, when the kids are playing beautifully and they're all you know, having no arguments and no fights at all and it feels great, um, like in the summer when we go and have ice cream after church and we stand outside in the sunshine, there's a moment where you just go, ah, oh, there's something really nice about this. When we share food and we share friendship together, there's something lovely about community. But I'm sure that we have all experienced times when community is not like that. And I can understand why actually my friend felt quite uncomfortable about the idea of community. I think he'd had experiences and he'd seen examples of times where community can be manipulative, community can be harmful, um, and actually where community can be a lot harder to do than just prayer or meditation, being on our own. Sometimes the boiler breaks and it's zero degrees in here, and, uh, and suddenly community doesn't feel like something I want to spend my time on, and it's much nicer to stay at home in the warm. Sometimes people say unkind things to us or about us. Sometimes we feel like no one understands us. Sometimes people leave and it hurts. 
Sometimes leaders make mistakes. Sometimes leaders do things on purpose that's painful and harmful. Like, at that point, engaging in community becomes a spiritual discipline. And it's not just attending and shooting off straight after so we don't have to do any small talk or anything like that. Building meaningful relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ with the ultimate aim of all of us getting to know God better, that is a discipline. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. Um, we're going to have a look at a reading from the book of Hebrews. Now, a lot of people believe that the book of Hebrews was, orig- it was a letter, but it was originally written as a sermon, a lot of the ways it's structured. And so even this, as, as you read it, you think about this as someone speaking to a group of people, expecting them to engage with this together. Uh, so it probably would have been preached in, one of the, in, ch- in churches all around um, the world at the time. So we're going to get it. Hebrews 11. It says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, and okay, this case he's now talking about Jesus as this priest. He says, this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, I can get to it. You've all got it up there. What's that? Are we on the right thing? We're Hebrews 11, 11, I think. Oh, no, sorry, Hebrews 4, 11. Sorry, I gave you the wrong one. Sorry, you guys have all got that up there. I should be looking up. Hebrews 4, 11 to 25. We'll start again. We'll go through it again. Um, so, so, yeah, so day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. You got the right one? I have to check now. Has anyone got their Bibles? Come on, let's have a challenge now. I've, I've clearly picked the wrong version. I've written the verses, but not the chapter. Let's go. Go on, Ben. The vicar this is on you. Hebrews 10. Right, maybe I was just one chapter out. Hebrews 10, 11 to. There we go. All right, we're good. Whew. <laughs> okay. So let's go through it. It says, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, referring to Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, so this passage starts by talking about Jesus as a great high priest who has offered a sacrifice once and for all for the sins of the people. And then it goes on to outline what that sacrifice achieved for us. 
what Christ won for people on the cross. Okay, so I've got some, so I'm going to need some help. So what I want to do is go through, first of all, the things that he's won for us. And there's loads in this passage, but I've just picked out seven, because it feels like a nice, good biblical number. Jenny, can you come hold up the first one for me? Okay, you might read it, should also, if you go back to the PowerPoint, it should have uh, the, some of the verses. Okay, so the first one, I'm going to say them as well, so if you can't read it, I just want to get a thing. The first one is that God has made us perfect. Have we got that one up there, that slide? Let me go through, it should be another one with a nice long list on it. Don't worry if not. Okay, so the first one, it says, firstly, he has, there we go, okay, nice and small so you can barely read it. Uh, firstly, he has made us perfect in the eyes of God. All our sin, all the bad things we've ever done, any blemish, any failure, has all been dealt with. And we are seen as perfect and spotless. Now, what the interesting bit in this is in verse 14, it says that he has made us perfect, made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. So there's a sense that something is complete and something is still going on. There's this weird contrast between the eternal spiritual truth and our current experience. That even though we still live out our day-to-day life damaged and, and, and hurt by sin and the sins of people around us, the writer of Hebrews draws our attention deeper truth that before God, we are perfect just as Christ is perfect. Do you reckon you can hold up two? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, so the first thing, we are made perfect. Sorry, it's my big bubble writing, but I'm doing my best. Okay. I'm so sorry. I will go through it. Don't worry. I'll recap at the end. The second thing is that we have the law of God in our hearts and our minds. Rather than a written law, which is what they had in the Old Testament, to be debated over and argued about subtleties and all the difficulties in it, when we receive the Holy Spirit, it brings the law of God into our hearts. And we begin to be able to determine God's will for different situations. Okay, I'm going to need another helper. Ben, you're up. Okay, here you go. So, third one is that God forgives and forgets our sins. He says he remembers our sins no more. So every bad thing, they've been dealt with and they are released like smoke on the breeze, dissipated and dealt with. Gone. Okay, it continues. Ben, you have another one? It says, the fourth thing we have is confidence to enter the most holy place. So, as some of you all know, I've got two kids. You might have met them, okay? Uh, Sam and Aaron. Sam is six. Aaron is four. When Sam comes in the morning, he's actually quite gentle. He knows that if he's quiet and gentle, he's more likely to get the thing he wants. Except the problem is, what he does, he comes in really quietly. doesn't want to wake me yet. Gets right next to me. Now, I've got the covers right up here. So, what he does, he pokes the only bit of exposed skin he can see, which is my face. And he gets his finger. He just goes, boom, like that. And I'm like, wake up, absolutely shocked. Don't have a clue what's going on. And then he just whispers to me and goes, I play on your phone. And it's like, ah, oh, okay. And so he comes in with that confidence, that you know, expectation that he's going to get what he wants. And I'm like, just take it, go. Okay. Now, Erin's slightly different. Okay. Erin will be in the middle of the night. And Erin sometimes gets nightmares. Okay. And she will suddenly, oh, it'll be absolutely silent in our room. And suddenly the door will slam open. The, everything will fall off the chest. It drawers, and she'll come in little thunder hooves. Run into the bedroom, jump onto the bed, run to the top, slide in between us. We both awake now. What's going on? And suddenly she, and she just goes straight back to sleep. And she's gone for the next time. I'm up for another hour. Going, What's going on? What's 
going on, okay? And the reason I say that story is because in the same way that when Jesus died for us, when he changes us, our position, he makes us pure and holy and makes it possible for us to come before God with a level of confidence. In the same way that, that my kids would come in me, for Sam, he'll come in with all his requests and everything he wants, okay? Erin um, will come in with all her anxieties and fears. Because of Jesus, God makes it possible for us to come into that space. Okay, that's another one. Um, Fifth, uh, Amy, you're up. There you go. We have a great high priest over the house of God. So what that means, a high priest is someone who stands on behalf of God to minister to the people and stands on behalf of the people to speak to God. So Jesus prays and speaks to God on our behalf. Okay, and he's constantly praying and speaking, helping us, all our worries, all our issues. He carries them to God and brings them before him. And at the same time, he ministers to us, okay? And he sees the heart of God and shares it to us and shows God's love to us, okay? So that's uh, number five. And I have put number six and seven together. I you can hold that one up, okay? Because these things. So sixth and seventh, it says, we have a heart sprinkled to cleanse our guilt and bodies washed with pure water. So the writer gives us both the image of this blood, which is what they would have done in the Old Testament, in the, um, in the old sacrificial system that they had in the Old Testament. They'd have sprinkled the blood onto um, different articles of use that they would use in the temple. And the idea was to make them holy so they were fit for being used. So what God does with us is he makes us holy and he makes us fit for being used for his kingdom. But also you have this idea of being the bodies washed with water, bodies cleansed. It's the idea of baptism, that every person then has been washed, they've died to an old life, and been brought back into a new life. Okay? Thank you, guys. That's really great. You can just pop them down there. That'd be brilliant. Okay? And we have all of these things made available to us by the death and resurrection of Christ. Now, you would think that would be enough. Those seven things, there's loads more in the verses. Everything that Jesus has won for us, all these amazing things that restore us to God, that make us fit for holy use, that change our status before him, okay? But what the writer does after this, he goes to all of these different things that Jesus has won for us in the book of Hebrews, and then it says, it advises us how to hold on to it all, to how to live in the spiritual reality of all of those things rather than necessarily the day-to-day experience of our own failings and our own flaws. It says, let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not stop meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as the day approaches. After all of that, the one thing this writer of Hebrews says that we'll need to hold on to all of those things is community. Very beautifully exemplified by the fact that I couldn't carry all six of those things, all six of those sheets together. But as a community, we lift them up and we help and support one another through it. And there are two sides to this. Being in community. There are the incredible spiritual benefits that you receive by being part of Christian community. And there are the incredible spiritual benefits that you impart by being part of Christian community. That you, where you give to other people and you receive from them. But I want to look, first of all, at what, what this actually means. Let's be quite, be quite practical. What does it mean? What, and then after that, we'll look at what the benefits are. Why do we do this? So the first thing I want to look at to cultivate Christian community is people praying for each other. Now, this is one of the most powerful things that we can do. Um, I've got a little prayer journal, and I keep all the names of the youth in our church in it. And I pray for them. I try to pray for them every day. Um, and what I found is, obviously, first of all, I think there's something amazing that God does when we pray for each other. God, you know, God listens to those prayers and responds. But what it also does is something in me. 
is I start to look at those names of those young people, and I start to think, okay, I'm going to pray, like, not just, oh, I hope their test goes well this week, or, um, you know, that issue they've got with their mate, I hope that gets sorted out. I start to think of some big prayers for them. I start to think, oh, I, you know, I, I hope that they go and do something amazing with their life. Like, I hope they change like this. They've got a passion for this thing, and I hope they, they do something incredible with that. And I start praying these bigger prayers, and suddenly I'm a lot more invested in them. I care about the things they're doing. And that's something that God does in us as we pray that changes us as well as the, the situations we've got. So I would love to challenge people to start thinking about how we pray for the people around us in our community. Like looking around you, the people, not just necessarily the people you're close to, but everyone, the different situations that's go, that are going on. We become community when we pray and we care about the people around us. Um, the second one is I've written up there, people sharing meals. And I'm giving this more as an example about the idea of investing in each other's lives. But I found this to be one of the most incredible things. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Sam, who often helps on the sound desk, had Amy and me and the kids around and cooked an incredible curry for all of us. It was awesome. And we went around his house and, you know, our kids going crazy and doing all their stuff. But, you know, he hosted us really beautifully. But the thing that was great about it was as we sat and we chatted and we talked about life and Sam shared some of his life back, you know, story going on, things from time in India, and, you know, I sort of shared about growing up. We shared bits of our testimony, our story about coming to know Jesus. Suddenly, you start to really understand people, and you really start to care about them and grow in that. And, and there's something about sharing meals, and there's something about taking someone out for a coffee and making time for the people around you, and not just people who are similar to you, but anyone in the church, really investing in them to grow in that, that helps us to create a real sense of community that, that points us towards God. Um, uh, and it's the other things as well. I mean, it's offering to babysit. It's, it's sending encouraging text messages. It's, it's, you know, finding ways to have people around in any context or um, going out with them just to, to be able to develop this further. Okay, that's the second one. The third one I want to go to is people being vulnerable with each other. Now, this is one of those ones that takes a lot of wisdom because actually we don't just open up ourselves to anyone. But actually, there's a... There's a a difficult thing to cultivate, but only when we manage to do this can we really have loving relationships. Only if you're a little bit vulnerable with people, you share your worries, your anxieties, your fears, and when you do that, you start to um, yeah, reach something deeper that's, more, that's possible. And I'd say one of the great things we have for doing this is small groups. We have these things called connect groups in our church, midweek meetings, um, usually around sort of 10 to 12 people, um, where we can get to know each other in a bit more depth, and we pray together, and we study the Bible together, um, and through that, we develop these much more um, powerful relationships. One of the things that I've said is, is the idea of hearing other people's stories. And like, I don't know if you know, but people in this church have incredible stories. Like genuinely, I would say like, ask people Jim's story. Ask Jim about his story, about thing. Ask Tijan, ask like, Bruno, how they, their story about their relationship with God. They are incredible stories. Like, and what they do is when I hear them, they go, make me go, whoa, like this God that we believe in is, is pretty amazing. And when you meet together in small groups, for me, it makes me go, the best thing I find is it makes me go, ah, oh, I'm not mad. Like, there are other people who believe this stuff in a world where actually a lot of people don't believe this stuff. Okay? Um, so, yeah, I would just put that as a challenge for you guys, uh, that challenge to think about. How do we pray for one another? How do we share our lives with one another? And how do we become more vulnerable and create spaces to wisely and carefully become more vulnerable with the people around us? I would say that maturity in faith is when you start to consider the spiritual well-being of the people around you rather than just your own. 
And so thinking about your part and role in this community, are you carrying the well-being of others or is it just something kind of you think, okay, what do I receive from this? It's how do I give and how do I care as well? Um, you know, there are people working out how to raise kids in this space. There are people trying to work out how to uh, be single in this space, people trying to work out how to be Christian in their workplace. And there'll be other people who've struggled with that and other people who've come through it, other people who are still walking it. And actually, as we become community together, we start to help each other and support each other. So something, um, so something incredible opportunity in that. So those are the sort of three practical things um, to think about how we can respond to this. But I also want to think about just what are the benefits. I'm just going to give three quick images. We've got the next slide. Um, not that you can read anyway. Um, <laughs> but the three benefits of it. Um, and I've got three images that we have that help us understand why Christian community is important. And the first one is this uh, line from the book of Proverbs, which says, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Um, because it's not easy living this thing out every day, trying to trust in an invisible God and trying to um, keep going every day, trying to do the right thing, trying to live for him, trying to put him at the center of your life when things can be challenging. We have these eternal truths, all these things that Christ has won for us, and holding on to them is difficult. And for me, things like small group and Christian community is the way that I manage to keep going. I don't think it would be enough for me just to lock myself away and pray every day. I think I need more than that. And community is the one thing that really I find incredibly helpful. So it keeps us, holds us together. Second one is this idea of a coal in the fire. I don't know if you've heard this image before, that if you have a, coal, a group of coals together, the fire's burning away. But if you take one coal out and put it on its own, what you find is that it quickly loses its heat, it quickly loses its light, um, and it, it fades. But together, it stays warm and it keeps going. And... Um, and what I find is these incredible spiritual truths, they illuminate us. They bring us to life. They strengthen us. And um, on our own, they'll fade and wither. But the more we push into community, the more we experience the pleasure of a life filled with the Spirit. And then the final one is this idea of a church as a body. And uh, in the book of Corinthians, it talks about the church being a body, each one with different parts. And all of us might be different parts of that. It talks about, you know, one person's a hand, one person's a foot, one person's an eye, one person's an ear. You're like, okay, I don't, I don't want to be a foot, but, you know, it's fine. Um, and everyone contributes to the whole. And actually, you notice that if one person is missing, then the whole body suffers. But if everyone's there, everyone rejoices. And what we're capable of doing together is far more than anything we're capable on our own. So those are the sort of benefits, those are the things that excite me about when we find a way to all kind of pull together to bring our giftings um, and to bring the things that we're passionate about together. Um, and just to finish, I just want to recap. In Christ, we have an incredible wealth of incredible, th- incredible, unbelievable wealth of incredible things that he has won for us. But we are told that to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, it means we cannot stop meeting together. And more than that, the offer is to push into community, to spur one another on, to encourage one another. This community here is the means by which God wants to bring good news to Sydenham and to Forest Hill. Not just this message that we speak, but actually the home that we offer people. And if we don't have it in order, if it's not a loving place to be, then no one is going to get to see the love of God and what a tragedy that would be. But when we get it right, when we love each other generously, vulnerably, there's something so beautiful on offer. Um, I'd like to invite the band to come back up. That would be great. Um, We're going to pray in a moment. But what I'd like us to think about is, rather than maybe at the start we think about those ideas of habits that we form and disciplines that we form, what I want to think about is as we are part of this community already, by the fact that we're here in the room, um, 
Think about what is the role you play in this body. And I don't necessarily mean like, oh, the job you do, the tasks that you complete. You know, it doesn't, you know, I'm not saying join the worship band, join the kids team. What I'm thinking is, is what is the thing you bring to this group of people? I've got one mate who is, um, he's incredible at small talk. And that seems like a really small thing. But what he does is he's in his church community, a different church. He ch- someone's new, he'll chat to them for a little bit and he'll listen and he engages with them. And then, you know, they might not come back. Six months later, they'll come back and he'll say to them, all right, and he'll say, how's that thing with your parents? Because he listens, he loves them. And what he does, he draws people in and welcomes them and loves them and cares for them. And they know they feel known and heard. I've got another friend who has a real prophetic gifting. He likes to speak, chat, he likes to speak God's word to people's lives. But what he does is he'll go up to someone who's a bit nervous, maybe a bit un, you know, finds that sort of thing a bit uncomfortable, and really gently he'll say, oh, do you wanna, I'm going to go out on the streets and talk to people about God, which obviously sounds utterly crazy. But he'll say, do you want to come with me next time I do it? You might see some amazing things happen. And somebody will walk along, come alongside him, and they'll grow in that way. And there's just different things that we all have. It might be the way that we pray. It might be the way that we love. It might be the, just the fact that we're good at cooking meals. All these things that we can do to liven this community up. And I want you to think about those things. But what I'd also like you to really do is ask God to highlight them for you. And in a moment, the band's going to start to play. And I'm going to invite people to... Um, if, actually, it'd be great if you could stand. I'm just going to pray for us in a moment. But I'd like to invite you to come up to the front. And you can just stand here like this with your hands out and ask God.